Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. Good afternoon, everyone. It's great to speak you again to you. And, you know, over the last number of weeks, we actually, we actually had a very difficult messages here when it comes to understanding very heavy. So I decided to take a little bit of break since today is the last Sabbath of this calendar year on this Roman year that we govern our life. And because it's the last Sabbath and we know it that how important is the day, the actually the last day of this year. You know, whether you mark on your calendar or your phone or no matter where, you don't have to do it because somebody else marked it for you. So you know exactly when it is. And this last day of this year and the celebration of the New Year's Day is one of the biggest global party ever invented by man. There is no any ever bigger party than this. No matter what is your religion, no matter what is your race, no matter what language you speak, no matter where you live, on one continent you live, it starts from Japan all the way to North America. As you turn the news podcast on, on the first of, of the new year, and you try to watch the news, they will slowly broadcast. This was the celebrations in Tokyo, Japan. There was the Sydney, Australia. And there was in Philippines. And there was in Hong Kong. And there was in China. And then it goes on and on. There was Moscow. And there was Berlin and London. And go on and on and on. There's, there's Toronto and all the other cities. Los Angeles will be the last one, or Vancouver on the, on the West Coast right there. It is one of the biggest, biggest and most popular celebrations. No matter what your religion, what you believe, what you think about it, everybody is into, into it. It is on your calendar, whether you like it or you don't like it. Life without calendar, if I would make a statement, it's impossible. Would you agree with that? Life without calendar would be impossible. Or maybe it would be possible, but it would be very, very difficult, right? It would be very difficult because everything is organized by our calendar. Without the calendar, you know, we'd forget about some of the important stuff. We mark some anniversaries, some birthdays, and, you know, all the other stuff. We just mark it on the calendar. So as we flip the pages, or even if you're an electronic one, it just reminds us. Send us a reminder here. Send us a reminder over there. That, you know, something big is coming. The big day is coming. So what I want to do today, you know, I want to talk about the biblical calendar. I want to talk about the Hebrew calendar. And even though we have so many calendars out there, so many, you know, as I was doing a little research, there are lots of calendars out there. But the most, the one of the most popular that, you know, we govern by in today's society, every single one of us, is the Gregorian calendar. Do we know a little bit about the Gregorian calendar? Let me give you a three minutes, quick summary. What happened? Why is this calendar was introduced? So, there were many different calendars before that one. And the, the Gregorian calendar actually came into effect in the year 1582, 1582, so long time ago. And this calendar replaced the other Roman calendar, which was called the Julian calendar. What was the difference? 
You know, I think we need to understand the history because once you get to the Hebrew, the biblical calendar, you will see some difficulties with some of the interpretation. So, in 46 BC, way over 2,000 years ago, Julius Caesar decided to adopt a solar calendar. Not a lunar one, but a solar calendar. It would cause the months to align with a specific season. So he specifically wanted that July is always in summertime, and let's say January, it's always in a wintertime. So he switched. He went to a solar calendar. So he adopted a plan that actually was devised by the Egyptian astronomer. And his name, sorry my pronunciation, sounds like Sosigines. Let me spell it for you, or you can Google it. S-O-S-I-G-I-N-E-S. S-O-S-I-G-I-N-E-S. And that calendar... The Julian calendar had 365 days, with one day added every four years, or to call it the leap year. That was the Julian calendar. And there was a problem, because by the 1,000-something years later, there is a problem. What is the problem? The Julian year of 365 days, 0.25, was longer than the actual astronomical of the lunar, not the lunar, the sonar year, was longer. The correct value supposed to be 365.242199 days. That's exact to the moment. And I know to us we may think this is not a big deal, right? This is not a big deal. What's the difference between 365.25 and 365.24? You know, this is actually 11 minutes and 40 seconds per year. 11 minutes and 14 seconds per year. Why is that important? It will, cost a, it will cost one day and a half to be ahead in a 200 years, and about seven, day, seven days ahead in a 1,000 years. So over the period of time, the seasons would shift. So by, by the time, by 1582, the Pope, Gregory XIII, they did the calculation, and he said, he proclaimed a decree, and he said that at that year, they're going to adopt a new calendar, and he says, in October, I don't remember actually the day, when was the day of October, I think it was October 5th or 10th, I don't remember, so please don't quote me on that. He said, we're going to drop by 10 days, and we're going to be aligned with the solar calendar again. And from that day, from that month, from that year, 1582, we have the Gregorian calendar which most of this world operates by till this day. And to add to this thing, Pope Gregory said, we can't allow the enemy mistakes in the future. So he said, we're going to make a little, little different rules here. So the one of the adjustments that he did, he said that three times in every 400 years, the leap year arrangement should be omitted. Like, you know, we have the leap year occasionally, like in February, extra days added. He said, there will be a specific years when the leap years will not be added in our calendar. So he said that, for example, years that are not divisible, centennial years that are not divisible by 400, he says, there will be not a leap year. So, for example, year 1700s, the year 1800s, 1900s were not leap years because they were not divisible by 400. But 2000, you can divide it by 400, so that was a leap year. So this the one calendar that still exists today. And let me tell you, whether you like it or you don't like it, it's the best possible human invasion out there. 
is aligned itself perfectly with the astronomical, they call it whatever, cycle of the sun, so to speak. Now, the biblical calendar. How many of you understand how the biblical calendar operates? We know that Feast of Passover or the day of Passover is, let's say, April 6, 2019. And that's all we care, right? We don't need anything else than that. Just as long as someone tells me what it is on what day, then we are satisfied. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. Do we have a basic understanding of the biblical calendar? Why is that important? Is this salvific to me? Is this salvific to you? Just think about it. Is that important to know? If God people don't know when to observe the holidays, then what do we do? We disobey God, right? So I would say, yes, it's very important. It's critical. Let's go to Leviticus. Let's start there today. But actually, Daniel, Daniel started. Leviticus chapter 23. And let's see how God's calendar works, right? How it is in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 23. And here in verse 45, God says to the children of Israel, this is my calendar, and I want you to distribute to everybody in your congregation and print a copy and make sure that it's available to every single one. You see it? There's no such verse 45, right? You can search the Bible from the beginning to the end. And we'll see, what is God's calendar? What are his instructions, instructions for the biblical calendar? There is a specific instructions about the holidays, when to observe it, how to keep it, what to do with it, what not to do with it, but how do we know that these days follow exactly on the day that God wants us to observe? How can you come up to such a conclusion? Let's go to the beginning of this chapter. Let's, for example, read, as Daniel read, on the 14th day of the first month at twilight is Lord Passover. On the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. How do we know when it's 14 and how do we know when it's 15? It's not just 14 and 15. It's the 14 and 15 of the first month. Okay, how many, how many months are in the Bible? Are there six months that you are aware of? Seven months? Ten months? How many months are there in the Bible that we can find? Or 15 months? Is there any relations that, you know, you go through some Hebrew text that says, hey, on the 15 months of this year. Do you have a records like that? No, we don't. There are months that are not even named in the Bible. Just like the dates. Numbers. Go to Numbers chapter 9. Just for a second. You just flip your pages over. Numbers chapter 9. Second Passover. Look how God is instructing here. The second Passover. Numbers chapter 9, verse 13. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey and comes and sees to keep the Passover, the same person shall be cut off from among his people because he did not bring the offering to the Lord. And look at this language. At its appointed time. Appointed time. Not any time I want or you want. Specific God appointed time. So when do we know so let's say that the 14th of the second month is exactly this day. How can we tell? 
Let's start from the basics. How would you create a calendar? Let's say God put you on an island. How would you create a calendar? You know it's day and night. You can't miss that, right? How would you create a basic calendar? What are the four basic elements of a calendar? Day, week, month, and a year, right? That's all you need to know. Now, what about a day? Let's start with a day. How would you know where to begin the day, and how would you know when to end the day? So, in a few days from now, most people, billions of people will be in a countdown. Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, and boom, happy new year, right? How do they know? Where did they get it that at 12 o'clock midnight, exactly, precise to the second, that's where the day ends and the new day begins? Where did people come up with such an idea? Let's say you went on the island. And we're looking for how do I would start that day? What would be the most, the best time to actually start to observe when the day starts and when the day ends? And you know, for us, if we have the Bible, that's easy. Let's go to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. If you have the Bibles, that's very easy because we can read it right there, right? No complication. Genesis chapter 1 and let's say verse 5. It says, And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. So he says, So the evening and the morning were the first day. And he repeats it here. Verse 8. And God, and God, and, and God called the firmaments heaven, so the evening and the morning were the second day. And on and on and on as you go to this Genesis account. So it says, God says here, the best way to start and finish the day is from the evening to the evening. Think about it. Uh, for a most practical reason, it doesn't make any sense. So let's say you start to observe a day at, at, uh, at midnight. How do you know what is midnight? If you don't have a watch, you don't have a clock exactly with the seconds, how do you know that this time of the night is exact midnight? How we, how we can tell? You can't. So let's say, some people would say, Oh, it's late at night, I'm sleeping. Let's pick an afternoon. Let's pick a noon. How would you know that noon is the exact middle of the day that you can say, this is a noon, let's start the day from a noon? It's difficult. What would be the best thing? Either sunrise or a sunset. But then again, sunrise, I'm not a morning person. If I have to get up early in the morning in summertime just to watch when there is a sunrise, I may not wake up. I'm a late person, so I would rather go by sunset, right? As I see sunset, wow, that's easy. That's the end of the day, beginning of the next day. Very simple, right? Very simple. We have right here in, in Genesis, and we can even conclude it by ourselves. That would be the best way to start the day and finish the day, by sunset. Not by 12 o'clock, midnight, beginning of the day, or the end of the day. just doesn't make any sense. So that would be the best observable time. So, okay, we're done with the day. Right? Now we're not done with the day. How about the, how about the week now? How many days do we put together so they're going to make a week? 
Because there are different calendars, and people used to have different numbers of days in a week. How do we know that? For us. If you have the Bible, it's not a problem, because we can go to Genesis, and we can figure it out. We can figure it out very quickly. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 30, 31. As you go through all this this day, God says, this was the first day, this was the second day, this was the third day. And in here in verse 31, Genesis 1, verse 31, Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So we have already sixth day, chapter 2, verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And now on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. Then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because, because in it he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. And then verse 4. This is the history. You might not like history, but this is the history. How are we going to figure it out? We need to read some history. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. And as you read the Genesis, you don't see anything that there was something like the eighth day or the ninth day or the tenth day. Everything ends with the seventh day. So that's easy. I can read in the Bible and say, I know when to start the day. I know when to finish the day. I know how long is the week. I know how, and I know how some of the days are important. What's the most important day of the week? I can tell it right now is the seventh day. No problem. What if you don't have the Bible? How would you figure it out? How to divide a, how to divide a week? How, do, how would you find out the week's Supposed to have a seven days. Genesis chapter 1, go to verse 14. Genesis 1, verse 14 here. Then God said, let there be, let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens. And again, you see, to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and for years. Why you have all these things up in the skies? Not just so we can worship them, as a bunch of people do, but so it's be so much easier for us when it comes to divine, devise our own calendar by which to worship God. That's it. That's why God created all this stuff in heaven. And moon and sun and all the bodies around us, they're working at such a perfection even better than your Swiss watch can do, or any of your electronic clock. The electronic clocks needs to be adjusted with the movements of the bodies in heaven. That's it. That's how precise, precise our God is. So he gave us all this thing. So we know by sun, we know by sun when to start the day, when to finish the day. Let's say, let's watch the moon. Okay, let's watch the moon. We don't know anything about it, so we just watch the moon. So, you know, there is a time there is blackness. There is a time there is a fullness of moon. There is a time there is just a little crescent on one side. There is a time where is the little crescent on the other side. So, just thinking like, wow, let's count the days. Let's count the days from pick a point. So, again, the question would be, what would be the best point, the best cycle of the moon to start the counting process? Some people would say when the moon is at its fullest. Okay, how many of you watch the moon when it's at its fullest? I like to watch the moon, especially on the Passover night, under the Feast of Tabernacle. 
And as you can see, the moon can be at its fullest for a few days. How are you going to tell that today is the first day and not that tomorrow is the first day that you actually, the moon is at its fullest possible circle, right? How can you tell visually? That's impossible. So maybe, maybe, let me start the count when the moon totally disappears from the sky, when it's total black darkness, and we just wait. We just wait and you just wait till the first light appears up in the sky. The first crescent, we can see it. All right, boom, I got it. Once we see this thing, you say, like, wow, let's, let's, let's just assume this is the first. Let's start counting the days. So over the period of the, we're watching this month after month, we just realize, hmm, it takes 14 days for this thing, they see a little bit, to the fullness of its moon. 14 days. Moon goes through four different phases, right? Phase one, phase two, the fullness, and three and four. So if I divide 20, all this, by, by, by seven, I get perfect week of sevens, right? Oh, that makes sense. So let's consider our month of whatever, the cycle of the moons. It will be around 28 days. It's a little bit longer than that, but let's say 28 days. So we already figured out the day. We already figured out the months, where to start the months, right? Where to finish the month, when to start the day, when to finish the day, how long is the week? We already got it. Right? Make sense? Any confusion so far? We got it, right? We can create our own calendar? Right. All right, let's move on. Now, it comes to the years now. Now, now is a dilemma. Now is a huge problem. Remember? As I was telling you before, we don't have enough specific information in the Bible how to devise the months, where to add extra days, where to add extra months. The God is silent. God didn't give us this information in the Bible. But we know one thing. Hold on, I have to be accurate here, so I have to find in my notes. So the solar year, the solar year is about 365 days, point two four. remember I gave you the figure. So that's the solar year. Now, the lunar year is about 10 to 11 days shorter. It's about 355 days. So let's say you try to divide live by my month, by month, by month. But at the end of the year, you will come about 10, 11 days short. And you say, I don't care. I just, you know, I can live like that. And it's true. You can still have your months exactly so many days. And it's going switch. The only problem is when you shorten days, you will notice that eventually your summer months will become the winter months. And your winter months will become the summer months. And, for example, in a Muslim calendar. They celebrate Ramadan through different months of the year. It can be in July, can be in December, can be in January. It just moves across because that's what they go by. They go by just the lunar calendar. And, you know, that's fine. You know, you might say, this is satisfying me. This is good with me. So I'm going to stick with the lunar calendar. Is it okay with God? That's what we have to ask, right? Does God care? And let me tell you, yes, he does. Why? Let's go to some of the scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16. And brethren, I realize how difficult it is to speak about subject like technical subjects like calendars. So I try to simplify so much. I hope you are not putting you to sleep today. But it is important, right? It's very important. So we need to know the basics, right? And I'm not trying to put you to sleep. Just the basics. Deuteronomy chapter 16. Look here on verse 1. 
God says, observe. Observe the month of Adib. And he says, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Adib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. God is very specific. Observe the month of Adib. So we need to observe the month of Adib. This month cannot fluctuate no matter what kind of seasons we are. This month cannot be in a winter time. This month cannot be in a summer time. This month cannot be a fall month. How do you know the gen? Okay? If you have your electronic devices, just follow me. Just click on this word, AB. The month of AB. Just click on it. And look what is the meaning of this word, AB, in the Hebrew. So as you read it, Translations of this Hebrew word into English, what does it mean? It means fresh, young, young barley ears, barley, or month of earth forming, the month of green, greening of crop, of growing green. So that's the meaning of A.B. Always the springtime, cannot be a winter time. And God says, observe the month of A.B. As you're still there, I want you to click on the other Hebrew word. I want you to click. On the word month. And as you see it. There will be the word Kadesh. Right? And this word Kadesh has double meaning. It can mean. The new moon. The sighting of the new moon. And it can mean. The beginning of the new month. See how everything comes together now? The new month. Or the new moon. New moon and new month is the same thing in Hebrew language. Whenever there is a new moon, it means it's the beginning of the new month. Second, Second Chronicles chapter 2. We can see it, how important was all these dates. I can give you many more scriptures reference, but I don't want to bore you today. Second Chronicles chapter 2. Second Chronicles chapter 2. And just one verse here. Verse 4. And here, the temple of Solomon. He says, Behold, I'm building a temple for the name of the Lord my God, to dedicate it to him, to burn before him sweet incense, for the continual showbread, for the burning offering morning and evening, on the Sabbaths, and he says, on the new moons, and on the set feast of the Lord our God. This is the ordinance forever to Israel. So we see new moons and new months. It's very beginning, and God's calling us. We need to know what is the beginning of every new month. And especially, when is the beginning of the first month? How important this first month is to God? Go to Exodus chapter 12. Whatever calendar the people in Egypt were keeping. Whatever calendar the people were keeping in Egypt. God intervened in chapter 12, and he says this. Verse 2. Exodus chapter 2. Exodus chapter 12, verse 2. God saying to Moses, I don't care what calendar you keep, but from now on, he says, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. That's it. Whatever you are keeping is not important anymore. From now on, and God speaks here on the first of the month, of the first month of the Passover month, of A.B., in springtime. God wants to align his months, his weeks, 
and his days with the agricultural cycle of the land. That's it. So it's important. Leviticus chapter 23. Why is this so important? Why this thing needs to align with the agricultural cycle of the land? Leviticus chapter 23. Verse 4. And read it here. These are the feasts of the Lord. Holy convocations. Which you shall proclaim at their appointed times. Not your appointed times. At their appointed times. Verse 10. Speak to the children of Israel and say to them. When you come into the land which I give to you and reap its harvest, then you shall bring a sheep of the first fruit that you've harvested the priest. So let's just assume you're just observing the, the lunar year, and this is the first month of the lunar year, and unfortunately this year of the lunar year, let's say it's the winter time, how are you going to bring a sheep of your harvest to the Lord when crop is not ready at the time? It's impossible. The whole sacrificial system would just fall down. It would be impossible to keep it if the days are not aligned with the agricultural season of the land, right? Just make perfect sense. And he says, he shall wave the sheep before the Lord, not just the grain, the sheep, not just the grain, to be accepted on your behalf on the day after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. And here in this particular case, we're talking about barley. But people will say, Jen, how do you know? It doesn't say anything here about barley. How do you know? Well, we can prove it. It's not a difficult thing. Just hold your place here in Leviticus. Put something there. Hold your place. Go to Exodus chapter 9. We can easily prove what kind of sheep offering was made. Exodus chapter 9. And here. That's the, before the seventh plague. Before the hail came on the land of Egypt. Land of Egypt. Look at verse 23, just to get some context here. And Moses stretched out his road toward heaven, and the Lord sent thunder and hail, and the fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. Skip to verse 25. And the hail struck through the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field. It couldn't be a winter time, right? Because all it was in the field. Both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field, and broke every tree of the field. Ah, so we know it was the springtime. Just keep going. Skip to verse 31. God is very specific. He gave us tempests of information here and there so we can come to the proper conclusion. Verse 31. Now the flux and the barley were struck. So they were destroyed at this time. Why? For the barley was in the head. They had the green ears. Beginning of the month. Right? For the barley, for the barley was in the head and the flux was in the body. And God destroyed it. Was the first harvest? Was the first harvest in the promised land that comes in the spring? It is the barley. Read verse thirty-two because this is important. But the wheat and the spots were not struck, for they are what? A late, late crops. They don't come with barley together. A late. Go back to Exodus chapter twenty-three. Sheep offering. That's barley. What's the later offering? Let's read it here. Verse 15. Exodus chapter 23, verse 15. 
And you shall count for yourself from the day after the Sabbath, from the day that you brought the sheaf of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be completed. Count fifty days to the day after the seventh Sabbath, that you shall offer a new grain offering. Not the old one, a new grain offering to the Lord. What is the new grain offering that we're talking about here? It's wheat. And he said, how do you know? It doesn't say here. How do you know there is wheat? Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. And look at verse 22. Exodus chapter 34, looks verse 22 and 23. And you shall observe the feast of weeks. What is the feast of weeks? That's the Pentecost, right? You shall observe the feast of weeks. Of the first fruits of the wheat harvest and the feast of ingathering at the end, at the year's end. Just stop here for a second. God's holidays needs to align with agricultural seasons. If they are not aligned, how can you have a far harvest in gathering at the end of the year and go and observe the feast of tabernacle? How would be that possible? It's impossible. So all the time must be perfect. We must be perfectly synchronized. Whatever is going on here on this planet. And he says, three times a year, all you men shall appear before the Lord. The Lord God of Israel. Three times a year. And we know what the, what the three times a year. Feast of Leveler and Pentecost and Feast of Tabernacle. Three harvest times. Three harvest times. Each man shall appear. So as we can see, is there any confusion when we should observe God's holiday? Not in itself. It's very clear in the Bible. That God's holiday needs to be observed at the proper season. Spring is a spring. Fall is a fall. Summer is a summer. They must be all aligned year after year, year after year. So now, so far, no confusion, right? When you try to build on our own calendar, it's easy. It comes to the day. We know where to start to observe the day, where to begin the day, when to finish the day. At sunset, that's easy. We know the weekly cycle, seven days, right? The seven days, the end of the week, is the Sabbath day. All the days from one to six, there is not even one name in the Bible. They don't have any names. It's just first day, second day, third day. On the last day is named the Sabbath day, the day of rest. Only one day, it's got a proper name. All right. Now we know the months. How we measure the months. The best way is according to the lunar cycle. You know, you try, you try to devise or measure the months according to the, let's say, the sun cycle. That would be not impossible. It would be very, very difficult. Very difficult. It's so much easier watching the, watching the moon to divide it into the months. And now, we all know that the first year on the God's calendar must be proclaimed whenever, whenever the, the barley harvest must be ready. So the sacrificial system must fall exactly into the proper alignment with Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23. All these agreements so far? All on the same page, right? Now, what I want to do for the rest of the day, and I was hoping that my message will be a little bit shorter, and hopefully it will be shorter. What I want to do, do today, I want to talk about the Hebrew calendar. How many of you know exactly how the Hebrew calendar operates? And 
If you are a member of God's church, and especially of the CGI church, Church of God International, you will notice that one of our doctrines that is stated right there is just that we observe the holidays according to the Hebrew calculated calendar. And why I want to bring this thing up? I'm not going to go into the details into the Hebrew calendar. But if you are interested in it, you can do your own research. It's very interesting. But the reason why I want to mention this thing, because if you haven't come around this thing, you would definitely come. Because there are a group that used to be, or they used to come from the Worldwide Church of God. They used to keep the festivals according to the Hebrew calculated calendar. And now there are a group of people who are saying that we not observing feast according to the Bible. And they own device, their own ideas, their own interpretations, how you, are about, how you are about to come across the proper, godly, biblical calendars. Because the Jews, the Jews were wrong. I want to bring your attention into it. I'm not going to go details. We can talk about it in our sermon discussion. It is not the point that I want to hear go into the details. Why people create such a, why people are such a offended at this thing that is a calculated calendar? Because they said, there's no commandment in the Bible that God says you are supposed to calculate something. He says, God says, I want you to go and I want you to observe. Is that true? Just think for a moment. If I spent 15 years watching the moon cycles, right? And diligently, you know, mark every single time that I know that after a while I come to the conclusions, you know what? It's raining. I don't need to go out. I go to my notes. I know exactly when the new month will be because based on my calculations from all the other years, I know that in two days at this time, the new moon will appear. That will be the beginning of new months. Is anything wrong with that? Right? Is anything wrong with that? It's the reason why God has given us brain and not specific instruction here to say, my children, go out there. You know, look at my beautiful creation and figure it out. Figure it out. I'll just give you some basic instructions. You figure it out. Now, some people will say, you can celebrate feast if you whatever, sit in the moon or like feast of trumpet or whatever, right? So, and they say, the Hebrew calendar is just for lazy people. Because, you know, when you look at Hebrew calendar, you can say, I know exactly in 2025, I I can see already when the Passover, what date will be there. Because it's calculated. It's calculated. It tells you when the next year the Feast of Tabernacle will be. When the next year the Feast of Passover will be. You know, when the next year the Feast of Atonement will be. So we know it. What's the... Why is such a horrible idea to know it? I need to book my vacation at my workplace, right? If I got to wait two month to month just to see it and then declare it, I might not have a chance to book my vacation to, so I can go and observe the Feast of Tabernacle for, for a week or two weeks. It's just the matter of convenience. Some people say, you see, it's just the matter of convenience. I said, no. I think God gave us such a powerful brains 
And he just wanted to know how quickly we're going to figure it out. He said, you know, like idiots, you don't need to go every day and watch the moon. Hopefully, after some years, you'll be able to know it and calculate it. But basically, if you want to reach it, occasionally, if you're right, there's still a sign there, up there. You can go and still check it. I did the research because, you know, I had some discussion with some people, trust me, on many different subjects. We observed the Sabbath at the wrong day. We observed all the other days at the wrong day. Trust me, you can go and do your own research. And I welcome everybody to go and do this thing because it's important. Because you don't know that things will come around. And you go to the feast or something and somebody will come to you, as always happened, right? Somebody will come to you, you no know, brother and sister? You're observing the Feast of Tabernacle on the wrong day. You say, how does how, how that come? Oh, you know what? Because you're observing, you know, the Jewish calendar. And you know Jews. You know what Christ says about Jews, right? Do we have enough? Do we have enough information? Do we have enough education that we can say, let's discuss it here. What is your point? Show me. Let's have a intelligent discussions here so we can say if something is good or if something is right. Right? You know, if you guys want to, you know, I still have a book in my, in my, in my, in my back today. After sermon discussion, I can show you. There is a gentleman, actually. And I got this book this year during the feast, actually. I got it from Pastor Murray when he went to one different feast site for just one day. And he brought it back. So this gentleman listed uh, all these days, festivals in the past. And he listed the Hebrew calendar there. So the estimations, you know, when the, moon, when the new moon is. Because it's not just the, when the new first month begins. You have to make sure that Feast of Unleavened Bread falls on the full moon and the Feast of Tabernacle falls on a full moon. It can be off here. It can be off. But he made all these calculations from all the different people that keep their feast according to observations and people who keep the feast according to the Hebrew calendar. Most of the time, 90-something percent, the Hebrew calendar is always right. And these people are always wrong. That's it. You can check it. I have it in my book. If you have any questions, I can show it to you. But in the end, you know, God gave us enough knowledge and understanding that we should derive wisdom to make our decision. Because it's important how we worship God, when we worship God, at what day we worship God. We can't just be going to and fro, whatever people say, like, oh, I know, I'm confused now. I don't know when to keep it the Passover. Should I keep it this month or should I keep it the next month? Should I keep it this week or should I keep it the next week? Because it's not profitable for you walk in Christ. Any doubts, any doubts, whatever you, might, you might, whatever you may have, whatever doctrines are not profitable for us. Revelation chapter 21. So any, any discussions, any questions you may have, whatever, please talk later. I don't want to bring it here in, a, in my sermon discussion. It's too long, it's too boring, it's too detailed, so I will leave it for maybe a seminar or maybe something else. But I want to finish with these three, three scriptures. Because there are another thing that I heard from some people. As we come towards the feast, people will come and say, Brother, just one day, I just can't wait. We'll get to the kingdom. When God's kingdom is going to come down, it will be so wonderful. It will be so interesting. They said, we won't have to worry about the Sabbath day. We won't have to worry about the dates. Because there will be no nights. There will be no days. Everything will be just con- continuously going on. Right? All right. Book of Revelation chapter 21. Just read it. Where do people get this idea from? Revelation chapter 21. Look at verse 22. But I saw no temple in it. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. That's the new Jerusalem coming down. Right? New Jerusalem coming down on the earth. 
God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And it says, verse 23, The city had no need of sun or the, or, or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated the Lamb and its light. Verse 24, And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth shall bring glory and honor into it. I want you to see a clear distinction here. There is the city. There are people who are inside the city on continuous basis and people who are outside the city but have the access to move in and to go out. There is a difference. There is a huge difference if you are in the city or outside the city. Okay? Verse 25. Its gate shall not be shut at all by day because why? There shall be no night there. You see, if there is no night, how are we going to measure days? We can measure days, there will be no Sabbath day, right? If there is no Sabbath day, there is no months. So basically, people conclude, based on this verse, once the kingdom is going to come, there will be no need for day or night. There will be no day and night. Everything will be just like one perfect, happy, eternal life and everything, period. But we have to be honest. We have to be honest students to the text. What does it say here in verse 22? What does it say at the beginning here? And verse 23 says, The city had no need of the sun. How big is the city? It's huge. But it says the city had no need. What about the area after the city? The Bible doesn't say it. So you just can't conclude based on this verse that, you know, we're going to go into this future and be no days, no nights, no Sabbath, no holidays, no nothing. That's it. Done. All will be done. You can conclude this thing. Now, some people say, oh, it's so difficult to, you know, estimate the, you know, the Hebrew calendar, right? No, it's not. We don't have to do it. It's already given for us. We, we just access it. We don't have to do the calculation by ourselves. The only thing we can do is just check it. Just check it. Whenever you observe the feast, whenever you observe the feast, go out and check. First thing, first thing, let's say trumpets, you need to see a little bit of light at the moon. If you don't see it, then you're wrong. If you go observe the Passover, if it's not a full moon, then you're wrong. If you observe the Feast of Tabernacle, if you go out and you don't see the moon of its fullness, you're wrong. Check out. It's all out there for all of us to check it. Second Peter. Second Peter chapter 1. Second Peter chapter 1 <clears throat> and verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied to in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things, okay, not just some things, all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. All the information that we need for our life to live and for our salvation is right here in this book. And I'll check it. It's all given to us. You don't have to be creative. Actually, we do have to be creative because we have to read, we have to understand, we have to figure it out. But it's all given to us. It's all given to us. So we don't have to go and create something from the scratch. It's all given for us. Why is this thing is important? Because, brethren, I hate... 
when people in church split over such a thing as what is the name of God? And just because they agree how we're supposed to pronounce the name, the church is split in half. The church is split because they say, oh, we're observing the day on the wrong day. Because this calendar is wrong and my calendar is better and on and on and on. Why are we doing this thing? For what? For what cause? Ephesians chapter 4. And I will finish you. I will finish here with this last scripture here for today. Ephesians chapter 4. In verse 13. And I just can't wait till this time is going to come. I don't know if it's ever possible in this day and age. But hopefully Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 13. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. To the measure of the, of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I just can't wait and I pray that hopefully all these churches will be united in all this knowledge. They will lead to this unity. You know, even congregations, single congregations, multiple churches congregations. Is it possible? I don't know. But we hope and pray that maybe one day. Why? Why is this important? Verse 14. That we should no longer be children tossed, and, tossed to and fro and carry about with every wind of doctrine the trickery of the men in the cunning craft, craftiness of deceitful, deceitful plotting. And that's what people try to do with everything. With calendar issues and all the other details. And we split. We split churches of God in half. And we destroy it. May God be with you. May God bless you. And hopefully the short presentation was any benefit to you. Let's just, let's just talk together. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.